Hey, it's Craig from Revolution Radio. This is just a reminder. Can you hit that subscribe button? That way you never miss a new episode of Canadian AF. And now, Revolution Radio and Canadian AF are proud to announce we are the newest members of a collective of some of the planet's greatest content creators on the new Cryer Media family. You can check out all the goodies that Cryer Media has to offer, including this podcast, at Cryer.co. Once again, that's C-R-I-E-R dot C-O. Thanks so much for listening to Revolution Radio, and enjoy this podcast. Revolution Radio and this silly little podcast that we call Canadian AF. My name is Craig G alongside Derek Lewis and Dimitri Alexiou. Today we are joined by a guest. Strap in, folks, because this is going to be a minute. Four-time Juno Award winner, a Gemini Award winner, four-time Much Music Video Award winner, appeared on seven different soundtracks, has had dozens upon dozens upon dozens of TV and film appearances, uh, four certified gold releases, three platinum releases, two double platinum releases, and a triple platinum release. Uh, 15 singles and seven albums in total, including 2022's Three Rocks and a Slingshot. We are so honored and privileged to be joined today by Ms. Julie Black. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, God. <laughs> have, another- I've never heard an intro done like that. I'm like, really? Is that, is that about me? That's about you. I, to, be honest with you to be honest with you, I could have gone on, actually. You've done so many oh wonderful, wonderful goodness. things over this over this yeah, incredible he, career of yours. So you, you didn't even you didn't even bring up the kink in my hair, you know? Yeah. And the award that she won for that. Right, yep. right. Wow. Absolutely. And of course And of course this little little pokey thing that you may have done recently <laughs> called the uh, 2023 NBA All-Star game. So we will of course uh, oh, I'm sure what happened? get into that. Yeah, right. Right <laughs> what there. Happened with yeah. there. I don't right. I know nothing. Um so Julie, if you don't mind, we, there's a million things that we want to ask you. We're going to try to do this uh, in as, as in the amount of time allotted as possible. We know you're okay. super busy, and again, we appreciate your time. So thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. Awesome. So uh, we have to go back to, uh, to to get things started. I believe we have to go back to Jane and Finch. Okay. Let's uh, go. So your mother Aretha? No, Wikipedia is wrong. Like what's okay? Agatha. 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 Okay. Okay. Agatha. Yeah. Beautiful. So, how many children are there all all total? I'm the youngest of nine, and there are six who are living today. Wow. Yeah. No kidding. Okay. So, I'm interested. To the one thing that I find absolutely incredible is at the very beginning of your career, there were two major record labels that came knocking at your door fairly early on. And I don't think I've really heard of this type of thing happen to too many uh, musicians, singers, what have you, over the years. It basically started with Warner and Warner and then Universal. Yes, I was wondering if you'd be able to talk a little bit about that time because that must have been so unbelievably like it must have been a whirlwind for you at that point. Yeah, I was a teenager, and so um, Warner Music came knocking. Probably, I don't know, sixteen or seventeen. And Universal came knocking as well. But Universal, if I, I can give you something that most people don't know. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I actually, Sony Music, Epic Records came knocking first when I was 14 years old. 
Oh my! Fourteen years old. Yeah. Her name is Vivian Scott. She was the, the VP of ANR at the time, <laughs> and um, I was discovered here in Toronto at an all ages event, and I got my first like development deal, record deal at fourteen. So I was traveling to New York every weekend. Um, grade nine, basically. Wow. Yeah. Unbelievable. So at the time that you were 19, can you give us a rough estimate of like what year that would have been? Like, was that mid nineties? Oh yeah. Yeah. No. So I got, nah, so let me think. So I got my first publishing deal, record deal, 1998, mm -hmm. 1998. So I'm 77, 87, 97. Yes. I just turned, I just turned 21. Wow. Okay. And then mm -hmm. wow. Well, did you uh, end up getting, I, I I'm going to be jumping around here a little yeah, bit because I'm, I'm a, I'm a disc jockey. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'm a disc jockey. So I actually was spinning in nightclubs at the time that mm. baby blue sound crew, you money, Cardinal official and Sean Paul right? dropped yes. that, that period. If mm. you don't mind me asking, how did you get that gig? So Cardinal and I have been friends since I was 15 and he was 16. We both went to a band camp called fresh arts. And um, in that camp, it was a part of a program called Jobs Ontario Youth, the Joy Program. Shout out to the Bob Ray administration. That's one thing that they did well for the youth. And so we um, we got paid an hourly wage to go make music. And we met. That's where we met, actually. All summer uh, in High Park. We had wow. facilitators and leaders. There was a lot of mentorship. Um, Baby Blue, Kid Cut was there. He was part of the program. Socrates, part of the program. You know, but we knew them. I was Julianne Gordon. That's a Cardinal was Jason Harrow. Socrates is Amani Weilu. Like we were our birth names. We were just these kids, right? And so when it was when it came time, um, Shockler got discovered as far as internationally first. He got signed to Virgin, and then he brought us all on to be like singing hooks and Cardinal and Socrates were producing. So I had my voice in there, basically being like the voice of these hip hop songs. And so then Cardinal got discovered by MCA Records. And he was doing the song, uh, working with Sean Paul, as well as Baby Blue. So they needed a voice. And I was always available like that. Julie was the voice. Like they knew I did a hip-hop song, the, Julie's the voice. And so that kind of became my role. Like I, I used to say that I was the the wife of hip-hop. You know what I mean? If hip-hop was the husband and I was the wife, let's go. That's brilliant. And if, I could, if I could just ask something. Mm -hmm. Okay, so like the first thing I ever heard from you was what it takes uh, oh, with you and Chuck Claire. That was the first thing. That was the first time I ever heard of you or Chocolaire. Right? And Andrew's been a fan since then. <laughs> well, yeah. well, oh, I, I, I still love that song to this day. It, it, it's just trance-inducing. Um, you. But um, yeah. So was that when being the white was Chocolaire in that same program with you and Cardi? No, he wasn't. But we would go to his ma his um his manager day a lead day. We would go to his place for uh, to record. He had a studio, little studio in his bedroom, move the mattress out the way like it was crazy, but so good. Such a vibe. And because they were all friends, the guys, as far as Chocolair and them, they're like, oh, Chocolair needed a, a voice. And they said, call Julie. And so that was my very first video, like my first. How cold video. was how cold was that shoot? It was cold when I had on some sort of nautica. I look like SpongeBob, but hey, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what did they put me in? But, you know, for those of you, for, for people out there who haven't seen the video, that was basically shot off of Polson Pier, and you can see Lake Ontario and the sea and the and the Toronto skyline in the background, and all this water. Yeah. And the, well, let me the, tell you, both, Dimitri, let me tell you, we actually went across the to Center Island. 
Oh, we almost missed the last ferry. We were sprinting to get the last ferry. So you wouldn't get stranded there. Uh, we wouldn't get stranded on the island. Like it was wow. that. Well, it would yeah. have been a longer shoot, but yeah. <laughs> we're on a budget, honey. Yeah, <laughs> less lighting. We're still eating ramen back then. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we're still so, eating ramen now. So being so being the you, the self described wife of hip hop yeah. at the time was that a role that you were comfortable with because like or because like i kind of like i eventually saw you at at the horseshoe around 2004 during north by northwest and your show was more rootsy and at a jamesy you know yeah oh absolutely so this was it was all strategic literally strategic there wasn't any i wasn't hearing r&b or soul singers from canada on the radio it was no. all about, you know, Mary J, it was Faith Evans, it was Erica Badu, et cetera, right? Alicia Keys, Lauren Hill. But there was nobody from Canada. So the only way, like I had the presence of mind to say, all right, hip hop, there was a scene, college radio, lots of like hip hop. We were touring coast to coast based on college radio. And then when Shaw Claire got on radio with Let's Ride, it was like, okay, there's a, there's a commercial radio starting to listen to us, right? And so I knew as many as many hooks I could get on, I knew I'd be discovered. And that's exactly how I got discovered. I got discovered when Cardi was um, opening up for Shaggy in Portland, Oregon. And I was singing all those songs, basically. That's <laughs> Money, old time killing and, you know, power, powerful and all these different songs. Money, Jane. That was good. Derek. Awesome time. Uh, yeah. I just love the fact that we're, that uh, since like the last time when, when I had, uh, uh, so usually we play, usually we're playing songs. And the last time we, we, uh, we did like I did like a whole hip hop set, and I and I said the 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 first original Cardi, and referring to Cardinal. Yeah. And then I like how we've just continued that, and it's come along into this conversation. And I I love that we're calling him Cardi, and that it goes across, and it's absolutely hilarious to me. Um, yeah. Are we not supposed to call him Cardi? No, I just I think it's great. I've never I've never heard anybody call him Cardi before. Oh really? Never. He, Ever. He called, and I was. He, he calls himself Cardi. I know. Now, <laughs> now that I've listened to it, I know. Yeah. I hear it, and I'm like, oh, well, I'm just, yeah, you know, Cardi, some schmo. Cardi. Yeah. When I announce him on Revolution Radio, I always say Cardinal Official. I just, yeah. yeah. yeah his full yeah. name. Put respect on his name. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, so I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get to the question. Mm. Uh, now I know I know that you you do huge work. Uh, uh, for for BIPOC people and LGBTQ community, um, now, what prompted you to do uh, to to do that change at the NBA game? Like, what what was it like? I know there was I I because I know the work that you do. I know that there's something deep inside, and I know that you've talked about it at length already. That's okay. It's a new day. It's a new day, yeah. bunch of new faces. What prompt? What like? What what was it like? What what was the catalyst for that? And like, how long have you been thinking about that? Right. Um. Thank you for asking. And I will talk about this every day if I have to, because this conversation needs to continue. So thank you. Absolutely. For not being bad. Yeah. Just jumping in when it was the way you know when the when the block was hot. Like I'm like, right. okay, this is a great time to talk about it. I've had uh, enough time to reflect as well. Um. I didn't think about it at length. Like three days before I left, I, I just had an, an, an inkling and intuition. I felt like I needed to do this in a way that aligns with 
my core values, especially over the last five years, like since my mom transitioned, it's like everything has to be meaningful. What's the meaningful mission? You know, how could I have impact more than influence? And so, oh yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like this whole influencer space, it's really, it's, it's kind of, it's really tough to, to look at at times. I completely um, agree. Oh. You're right. Yeah, totally. So, um, with what's happened over the years in us all learning about indigenous lives, indigenous perspectives, stories, um, et cetera. I was like, okay, I hadn't sung the anthem literally in years. Like when they asked me to do the anthem in Parliament Hill, I was uh, co-hosting for Canada Day some years ago. I, de- I declined and I declined God bless the queen. I said, listen, you have other singers. If they want to do it, fine. I will host, I'll do my Julie thing. You want the energy and I'll sing my own songs. But now here comes the biggest stage for the Canadian anthem on the planet. This is the largest stage globally because the Super Bowl doesn't have our anthem. And so I'm like, okay. And it kind of reminded me, even Rihanna, Rihanna turned down the Super Bowl performance with the, you know, what's going on with Kaepernick and all those. Yeah. Things, right. Yeah, when it was in Atlanta. Yeah. Right. So then here comes an opportunity again. How do you make it meaningful? What message do you want to send? So, but for me, it's like, all right, I spoke to indigenous peoples that I know well, close. And uh, I had already made the decision, but I said, I don't want this to be, to look like some sort of publicity stunt. When I shared with them, tears, goosebumps, even now I got goosebumps. Like they, because the the message from them was you would do that. It didn't feel sacrificial to me. Mm -hmm. It didn't feel sacrificial at all. I'm like, yeah, I mean, I'm just doing a, uh, an, uh, a vocal land acknowledgement. We do land acknowledgements every day. All these meetings, events. We are on the Mississaugas at the credits on indigenous lands. I'm like, I didn't think. I thought I was putting kale in the smoothie. Like I'm like, we got some mango, strawberry, <laughs> yeah. kale. They won't taste it. I didn't think they. I really didn't think people would notice as much as they did. And I have no regrets. I'm glad I did. And yep. um, it's changed my life. It's changed my life forever. Yeah, it really has. Yeah, it really, and uh, you, you, you've gotten both amazing feedback from it and venomous feedback from it. Mm. Chuck, Chuck D was my favorite. You know, like uh, it was, uh, it was my girl at Julie Black just kicked the most soulful O Canada I ever heard, and I'm just thinking, Chuck D, that's gotta feel good. And it was amazing. It really was. Your performance was just sensational. It was so good. Thanks. Yeah, there was there was one phrase and what there was one phrase in it, and you just see Pascal Siakam's head just go down and like reverence to what you're doing, mm-hmm. you know, like so. Just yeah, but it um, and it was spiritual. It was I, I I you know I thank everyone for supporting me through it. And what was funny to me, what gave me a sense of I guess relief and calm is when the guy jacked up my intro, and when the announcer jacked up the intro, I if you watch the video, I laughed. I'm walking up because the only thing that was on my mind wasn't the word was I have on five inch heels. This is live. And I want this to be my Whitney Houston moment. Like I, I've never heard the Canadian anthem done in a way that people could be like, that's a soulful rendition. I still kept the melody. I might've helped help a few notes. I didn't because there's been times I love some of my friends in this business, but they've chopped the anthem up and turned into a whole other jambalaya that I couldn't even sing along. So I'm like, mm, right. Mm. So you didn't crack either. Hmm? You what didn't mean? crack as well. There was, there's like, there's, there's some, there, you know what I mean? Cause it's a large, yeah, it's a large area. Right. And you're singing in that. And that's, that's the one that, okay. So the, the phrase 
I love that. But the the other part is like you didn't like it was you were solid across the whole time, and that's like and I, you don't hear that in like arenas and stadiums and stuff like that. Like if I've I've heard people sing at like Sky Dome, and you're just like, this sounds weird. <laughs> right but the whole recording of you is like it's so smooth across the whole thing and i'm like wow thank you for me it's like I you were meant to- I did a quick session sorry to cut you with my no no she trained me for carolina change and then i didn't think i needed her for the anthem and then she messaged me she's like do you want to do a session i'm like actually yeah we jumped on and i'm actually gonna post that clip soon um online because like she just said this is the people's anthem and make sure you don't make it about you and she just gave me words outside of the technique that mm-hmm. I'm shivering again. Okay, you can see I've got goosebumps. Mm-hmm. And uh, she said, bring joy to the anthem. The people are losing hope. Bring hope. Absolutely. Oh. Yeah. That's advice. Wow. Yeah, no, wonderful advice. I can actually tell you from my background, both of my grandfathers fought in, uh, in the war. Neither of them would have had an issue with what you did with the anthem. Thanks. I can assure you of that. I also happen to be um, indigenous. Uh, I have some indigenous uh, background, uh, Ojibwe Métis. Okay. So I entirely, entirely agree. And and thank you for doing what you did because it's <sighs> things need to change. You know what I mean? Um, and it's people like you that bring that change and help to affect things that's what i actually wanted to to ask you your opinion on you touched on it briefly and i think it's a really really good point influencer versus real action Mm. there's a million and one you know tiktok influencers right but real action for me is is something that you did Mm. real action making change knowing that you've done something like that i don't i don't think it would be kind of simple for me to ask you how does it make you feel but Uh i think you know it it is one of these things that moving forward it's going to be one of those things that is going to have an impact for the rest of the anthem's life essentially because now people are going to be saying "Hmm, you know maybe miss julie has a point maybe maybe we should uh say (laughs) you know on instead of our you know um so knowing that moving forward Mm -hmm. i think would you give any advice to people to help make change as opposed to just saying you know this is what i believe Mm -hmm. kind of just leaving it there kind of floating in air you know and then (laughs) but actually someone like you coming along and saying no this is this is how you make change Oh, wow. Thank you. You can tell like this is so it's so personal. Um, Mm -hmm. It's become something that's a barometer for me now and everything that I do. Does it have is it is it meaningful? Um, Is this how is this going to impact others? And I just got to the point, especially being in this business, the music business for so long, where it can be very narcissistic. Um, Artists, I'm an artist. A lot of people want to like tend to our needs. What do you need? What can we do for you? What can we do for you? Mm-hmm. And but I was raised to serve. And I think sometimes, sometimes, if I had to be totally honest, sometimes I'm like, maybe that's why I didn't, you know, I'm not as far as others, whatever that means, you know? Um, there are those who are really selfish and that will just go for theirs and not really concern themselves with everybody else. And yeah. I wasn't raised that way. And so I recognize now that 
when my mom used to say the race is not for the swift, but for those who endure, I get it. I get the endurance side of things yeah. and being able to have sympathy for others and empathy. Cause I understand what it's like to be disenfranchised and to be, you know, to be, be a minority. But also I said, I said this, and I'm so happy that there's like, you know, three of you that don't look like me and your men on the, on this call. Cause I, I said this recently in a show and I want to say it here and it, it just went over so well. Um, black people said, we tend to say we are our ancestors wildest dreams. And if you're white, identify as white, whatever, I want you to, to think about saying, consider this, you can be your ancestors' biggest nightmare and changing the past, mm-hmm. you know, by making a different decision, choosing yeah. another thought. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Just choose differently. We all have, we prejudge every <clears throat> single day. I don't care. We, there's, you know, I think too many of us don't admit that we're walking around with some traumas and those who may have been racialized, all racialized on all spectrum, you know, all sides of the coin. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I could speak to the black community and say, tell me a time you haven't felt, okay, you know, the white person's done me wrong. Like these, that's a, that's racializing a mm-hmm. community. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah. I think it's important for us to, to realize, especially me sitting, living as a black woman to, to help the white community, especially say, Hey, I want you to now lift the guilt. Because if you're walking with your head down on eggshells, afraid to say something, silence is violence. Like, let's go. Yeah. We have to have the tough conversations. And then we also need to celebrate together. We mm-hmm. need to celebrate. We've come a long way. Yeah. yeah. Right? And so when I, in my prayers and my meditations, I talk to God about, okay, you know, I, I want to my star to be as bright as possible. It's not for me. It's because... When you have big influence, big impact, part of me, you can make big change. Mm-hmm. You make bigger change. Mm-hmm. And then, and on the flip side, if you're an asshole and then you get, you know, you come up into success, you're gonna be a bigger asshole. Yep. So I know my heart, and I know that I'm doing the work to become, to live love, like not look for it out there, like to be it, mm-hmm. so people feel the energy and want to subscribe. And tune into this frequency. It's like a, it's like a radio dial. Imagine walking through life. We need to turn the dial, right? Take our time to remember back in the day where we had to like move the little thing to try and get it. <laughs> it wasn't digital yet. We're like rolling. Yeah, yeah. With the little red pin that went across the. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Imagine right. that though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So we need to slow it down to find to have that red pin hit that mark. Mm-hmm. This is the most impactful conversation we've ever had. Honestly, <laughs> I'm just, we're sitting like, we, like, right like, like you're, you're saying a lot of stuff. And honestly, I can tell you for a fact that the three of us are just sitting here, just sitting with it. We're not just letting it go by. Mm-hmm. We're sitting with it. We're listening. We hear you. We, it hits. We got you. Oh, but, like, Everything to me. Like honestly. I'm like, I'm sitting here going, what do we say to this? You know, Julie, <laughs> like Derek really has a point, And I have to say, to you you know like we've put this podcast together probably just i guess what dimitri just over a year ago i guess when we had started something like that yeah. i think you know we've yeah. done we've done about 45 episodes and wow. we do one every week the wow. one thing that i've been saying for the longest time that i'm begging to try to get and it's just wonderful to hear you say to us you know hey listen you guys are starting to you know the types of things that you guys are doing and what you are doing the fact that you're listening and the fact that we're having these conversations 
is amazing to hear you say that to us like three white boys on a podcast you know what i mean like because Mm -hmm. that's one of the things that i've been saying to both derek and Demetri. they can attest it's like I really want a BIPOC woman on this program. Like I really do. You know what I mean? So we need I some just, outside information, but, but that's the thing. You know what I mean? Like I really, I, I really appreciate you saying the things that you you've said to us today. Cause I can assure you that, that, you know, as three white boys sitting here, that means the world to us. I grew up in Scarborough, so yeah. I was very fortunate. I grew up at Birch mountain Finch. I was very fortunate Hello. to, you know, I was very fortunate to live. I mean, I had a black family across the road. I had a Filipino family beside mm-hmm. me on the one side and a Chinese family on the other side. Right. So I grew up say, with. Let me, jump in, though. let me jump in, Craig, quickly, because yeah. I'm actually on a mission to, I don't know if they'll do it legally, but to eradicate this term BIPOC. Mm-hmm. BIPOC mm-hmm. came around in like 2020, Black Lives Matter. And I don't know who created it, but in my heart, I believe it was a committee of white people who weren't comfortable saying black people indigenous people i totally agree with you i totally agree with you i totally you know latin like we need to identify each community by their name Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. hey to say i want a black woman a black man on my podcast Mm -hmm. i want a south asian asian i want you know somebody from the middle east we need to say it out loud because if lumping us together that jambalaya i'm on what if i just like shrimp and i don't want the sausage They've turned us into a job. I've never said that in my life. I'm going to use that in another keynote. So well done. (laughs) Brilliant. (laughs) Brilliant. Wow. Yeah. They've turned us into a jambalaya. Yeah. Yeah. There's tons of people that don't like sausage. Right? I want everything in the jambalaya, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I I completely, I honestly, I, I'm not going to comment too much being a white guy, but I completely agree with you. I really feel it was a committee of white people basically sitting at a table going, okay, so how do we not feel uncomfortable talking? Right. Right. You know what I mean? But now now we're stuck with that language because we're like, as Julie said, we're walking around eggshells. We got our heads down. We're not saying things. We're not doing things. We're not, we're not, we're not stepping forward. We're not doing that. We're just following what everybody else is doing and hoping nobody goes, Mm -hmm. Hey, what are you saying? Right, right. You said a thing, and of course, Julie. The whole thing too that we're we're worried about as well is is being canceled, right? Like we would never ever want to be in a position where, like, in our hearts, we're. I love everybody. I really don't give a shit who you are. It's really, you know, for me, it's you are who you are, and that's all that there is to it. And uh, you know, walking around. I want to ask you a question. Absolutely. Because you mentioned that you have indigenous in your bloodline. Mm -hmm. Did you feel? fear sharing that pre indigenous stories becoming like a headline did you growing up did you share that you have indigenous in your blood no it's i appreciate you asking me that question to be honest with you julie i didn't find out until i was about 30 Uh, Mm -hmm. i'm 50 now and um just turned 50 and i found out yeah i was probably about i guess i was about 33 when i found out i felt an immense sense of pride because i found out that my uh great 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 grandfather um got along very very well with indigenous people with the ojibwe uh tribe uh because he was able to speak not only english but french and he could also speak uh their language as well so he was a wonderful communicator he could basically communicate between french and and the ojibwe so i was very proud of that you know what i mean to talk about it i don't really 
unfortunately i think i was never in too many situations where i was able to talk about to. it you know right what I mean? right yeah. where you were able to that yeah. makes sense yeah. that's fair that's fair thank you for sharing that because yeah. you don't just walk around being like like i have asian in my blood and i have south asian in my blood but i just walk around and be like yeah my great grandmother's chinese jamaican i'm a, this person doesn't really come up so I, I i relate to that thank you mm -hmm. for sharing yeah yeah dimitri it's been a while since you've asked a question my friend <laughs> <laughs> so soaking it in and so anyway, um, so back in the day, long time ago, like you did a track with Too Rude and um, uh, some other people who worked with Too Rude are um, Mystic and Miranda. They're known as Mystic and Miranda today, but look, Latoya Miranda. Yeah, yeah. And anyway, so like months ago, I reached out to them to prop to possibly get an interview. And they said um, that since Celine Dion, the Canadian music industry has not really been supportive of homegrown talent, regardless of race. But the U.S. has 10 times our population, so it could all be about market size. We were indie artists in 99, and we're still indie now. Mm. And and we happy with our art. So do you think that now just the Canadian music scene, do you, do you see that? Have you felt the same way at times, like the same sort of frustration? Like, yeah. I just got snubbed for my last album. I got big time snubbed. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, and the, the issue is it's the same people working there at the various companies. So Canada doesn't yeah. fire anybody. You just, they just move people around. The president of this label is now the president of Keras. The president of Bell Media is now the president of, so you know, uh, yeah. so like, they just move people around. It's yeah. just a move around. Yeah. So, and if you're not a part of the political landscape, you're not managed by this guy you're, or you're not with Feldman because they're the biggest agency. But then you, it's all all them guys running the things. You really have to have a solid belief system, like truly ask yourself, why am I making this music? Why am I in this business? And if it's anything about being super famous and known in Canada or whatever, then you might as well just go ahead and put your resume in Costco because it's not it's not the thing. You know, yeah. I, I've, I come up in, I came up in a time, this is full circle, the circle, like having these guys around me as my brothers, having that, they were my tugboats. Like it's a different time now where there's the reach, you could reach your fans easier, TikTok, Instagram, et cetera. But I would, I would bet that most artists, if not all, but the majority of the true artists want to make a true connection it like in person. Like I know they're my fans. They're coming to my shows. They're buying my merch, et cetera, right? And so now there's all these TikTok famous people that don't know how to perform, don't know how to do an interview, yeah. don't really care. And it's really, it's out of balance. It's like we're walking around hopping on one foot. This is why I'm happy what's happened with my life over the past months with this decision that I made. It, it confirmed what my mom used to say. Everything in life, everything in life that's happening it's based on decisions that you've made. It's it, a decision to not leave, decision to stay, a decision to be complacent, a decision to be happy. Everything's rooted in your decisions. Everything, right? And so what um, Mystic and Miranda is saying, I understand for sure, but if you decide you want to stay in that lane and label yourself that, then that's where you're going to stay. Yeah. I love film, I love TV, I love acting. I realize that, my voice, I, I learned about my voice as a singer, but there's many sides to my voice. 
And I think if if most artists would realize, sit down and be like, okay, look at LL Cool J, look at Queen Latifah, look at all these different, look at look at um Ice T. Yeah. Hello, Law and Order. Yeah. Yeah. How many yeah. two twenty years so far? Long? <laughs> no, no, probably longer. Seriously, like I was. Yeah. So I think there's a level of um, we have to be mindful of becoming complacent when we have the opportunity to to define and redefine, um, you know, who we really are in this space. Absolutely. Yeah. I I don't think we've hit our time here. And, and, oh yeah, you know, and I like can, honestly, I I could talk to you for another two or three hours. Oh, um, yeah. as usual. But I think that I just, as usual, yeah, Dimitri. I just want to. I just I just need to tell you, like I have always loved your loved your ferocity from like the very first time I saw that what it takes video and everything, and like and how you've developed throughout the years and everything. You are you are the essence of fierce to me. Um, yeah, Woo! I love. I that. Just, I'm gonna put that on. That's my mantra for today. <laughs> so yeah i'm i just i'm just such a huge fan so yeah just love you we can't mm-hmm. thank you enough for spending the time with us today uh mm-hmm. not only not only a great conversation education as well too i think is is mm-hmm. important you know what i mean for everybody i and i just i really think that this has been an eye open eye opening experience for me and uh and my ears are always constantly open you know so okay. we 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 greatly greatly appreciate your time, Ms. Julie Black. Thank you so much for being here today. Well, thank you, and I, please chop this up. I want to put it on socials. Get the nuggets. Get those those awesome nuggets, and let's mm-hmm. put them up. Let's put it out. You know Definitely. what I mean? Do it. Definitely. Yeah, I'm gonna get a clean picture. I love taking that's a uh, that's Can Craig's you? Craig's department. I'll do that. No problem. I promise. <laughs> okay, on. I need a picture. Everyone, give me something. Please yeah. Us up. One, two, three. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.